back to the podcast, guys. Uh, it has been a couple of weeks again. Uh, last week, I wish I could say it was just because I was super busy, but the reality is, is I was so sick. Oh my god, I had the worst, um, just a head cold. I don't think I was would have been able to make it through a um, an entire podcast. Uh, I am confident that I would have just coughed my way through it and that was not going to work. Um, my boy, the beard, uh, mentioned on, uh, about a recent podcast where I was uh, sipping a little bit of coffee while I was doing the podcast and, uh, he couldn't even finish it because it was so annoying. And so for me to actually record this deal, uh, whew, yeah, I would have had to have a, a bottle of water or two or three and, uh, nobody, nobody needs that. So, uh, before we, before we get going in, into, uh, this little bit of, of, of Romans, uh, I want to tell you a story about our community, uh, this past week. Um, really it was yesterday, yesterday morning, went to the secretary of state, which I know most, most people in the state of Michigan believe is the like third ring of hell. And, uh, thankfully I just needed to go to the kiosk, grab some license plate tabs and be done. And, uh, as I walked in, there was a young man and an older woman and, uh, they were, they were over at the kiosk and, and he was, he was just kind of walking her through things, you know, helping her out. It was clear that she didn't know how to use, use the, the, the kiosk. And he was super patient. He read every screen to her, asked her all the questions, helped her do everything. Um, at the end, you know, uh, you know, he's like, okay, now you take your card out. She's like, I can't, I can't do that. And so he, he took her cart out, helped her out. Um, it was, it was just absolutely beautiful. And so as I'm standing there waiting to use the kiosk, I thought for sure that, uh, you know, I'd be waiting for this young man. And instead, after he helped her, he went on, went on inside and got his ticket and sat down. And, uh, so just, I was just blown away, uh, to, to see that. Because that's the last thing you expect to see at the Secretary of State's office. Because most people come in there and they just they just want to leave, and the last thing that's on their mind is is loving well and caring for their neighbor. And yet here's this here's this young man who who is doing just that, and uh, so just a just a beautiful image, beautiful picture right here in our own neighborhood, and uh, you know just a great reminder to love well and and what that looks like. It just doesn't take very much. Open your eyes, look for the opportunities. They are all around us and, uh, and we can, we can love well. So, uh, where are we, where are we at? Where are we going here? Um, we are, uh, we are looking at Romans. Uh, we're continuing our, our little discussion here in Romans. If you want to catch some of the backup, uh, some of the background, info that will help. Uh, I'd, I'd encourage you to go back a couple of episodes here and, uh, and pick up, uh, the introduction. Uh, those introductory comments are, are going to be really helpful, but, uh, but we're going to press on, uh, here in Romans and, and I'm teaching things, uh, on Sunday nights a little bit differently than I normally have. Uh, we're kind of working our way backwards through this letter 
And, and that's because Romans 12 through 15 are largely ignored. Uh, they're kind of those passages, those, those parts of the scripture where you've been teaching a, a book for so long that you just, you just kind of blow through them to get, to get done. And yet, really, it's the heart of the entire letter that Paul is writing here. Because it is in Romans 12 through 15 that we get the nuts and bolts. This is how you live. This is how you love. This is how you follow Jesus out into this world. This is how you represent him. Uh, the, the, first, the first 10, 11 chapters of Romans are, they're deep. They're doctrinal. They're theological. They're super subversive uh, in, in their ideas. They're, they are they are undercutting empire and the powers at every turn and then you get into Romans 12 through 12 through 15 and it's this whole this is this is now how you are going to act and this is how through your actions through your embodied way of living that you are going to live a subversive life in in this in this world and while we might think that this is a um yeah, this is this is only for first century. Uh, it's not because the reality is is that we live, we live in a time that is dominated by powers and, and empire, uh, in just the same way that the first century Christians were. Uh, it's just instead of having an empire, uh, an emperor, right, embodied in one person, we live under an empirical system, and, and the system that we live under is is one that is dominated by consumerism. Now, some people want to say capitalism, and, and in some sense that's true, uh, but capitalism you know, has, has, some really good, has some really good pieces to it, some important pieces to it. We've seen, we've seen large numbers of people who have, who have changed their lives uh, because of the, the ideas behind capitalism. The problem is when capitalism becomes consumerism, and that's where we're at now. That's the empire under which we live. That's the power that dominates everything, is, is consumerism, unbridled, unchecked consumerism. Gimme, 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 I want it now, what I want, when I want it, let's go, let's go, ooh, shiny object syndrome. I struggle with it. Uh, it's, it's part of my reality, and it's something that, that I battle and fight against. Uh, sometimes better than others, uh, as I'm sitting here recording on my, on my new iPhone 11, right? So I don't want, I don't want it to be, I want you to think that, uh, as we talk about some of these issues that I'm not speaking to myself because the reality is, is that I am in process just like, just like anyone else. Uh, yeah, I, I've gone to seminary and, and I've, and I've got a little more academic training in some of these issues, uh, but there is no, there's no trade-off for the lived life. There's no trade-off for, for actually putting these things into practice. You can have all the intelligence and you can have all the academic background and you can know all kinds of things. But, but if, you, if you aren't living it, if it's not getting into you, if it's not becoming part of your embodied existence, part of your lived life, then, then all the academics, all the, all the knowledge you have uh, is, is really useless. It's really worthless because it, it, doesn't move from, it doesn't move from the head to the heart to the hands. And that whole process has to happen. 
You know, you, you have to, it has to come out in the way you live. And that's what Paul is getting us to here in, in the second part of, of Romans is he, is he has tracked us all the way along and basically said, if you believe these things, this is how you're going to live. And in Romans 14, we have this, we have this amazing chapter on how to, uh, and the necessity that we have to live at peace with one another. There is, uh, there is ethnic racial strife within the first century church in Rome. Uh, there is a huge divide between Jews and Gentiles. And we see Paul deal with this in, in many, many of his writings. This was, this was not a, a, a Romans only thing. This is a pretty, pretty consistent problem across the early church, as you might expect, because Christianity evolved out of, out of Judaism. And so it started as a sect, but then became its own thing. And so you have, you have Jewish people who are converting to Christianity, Jewish people who are following Jesus, the Christ, their Messiah. Um, they're following him that way. You have other Jewish people who aren't. So you have, you have contention there for these, for these Jewish Christians uh, you have contention with Gentiles who are converting, who are following Jesus as Lord, who are following Jesus the Christ. And, and they're not bringing with them all of the religious background that the Jewish Christians are. Now, Jewish Christians back in the first century had a, uh, they had a very clear way of living. They, they, lived, they lived life differently. They had different dietary codes. They had all kinds of things that they were seeking to follow so that they could say that they were honoring God fully, right? This is, this is part of their reality. Now, the Gentiles did not. The Gentiles were, were kind of an anything-goes, Las Vegas kind of lifestyle. And so here they come converting, and they're eating, they're eating anything they want. They're drinking whatever they want. They're, they're just kind of doing whatever they want in the freedom that they have in Christ. And they're doing so guilt-free. And so you have this, this conflict between Jew and Gentile. And in Romans 14, Paul gets into that. And, and he talks about how these things are, you know, a lot of the stuff is just disputable man, matters. He says, except, except the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters in, in, in verse 1. And he includes food sacrificed to idols as a disputable matter. Like, you need to let it go. Um, and in this, you know, he's, he's pressing, pressing into some of this stuff. And really the, the important core of, of, of Romans 14 is, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. I want to read that again. It's verse 19. It says, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. So what the heck? What the heck does that mean? How do we, how do we handle this? One of the things I loved about, about our conversation in Romans 14 on Sunday night uh, was we got into issues of privilege and power and and how how do we how do we handle these things now because the reality is is that if Paul's writing this letter today he probably is is in Romans 14 probably would have had a different probably would have had a different fl- uh, feel to it right it had a little bit different flavor and that little bit of different feel and flavor would have 
sort of been in regards to probably gender or, or, or race, black versus white, um, or really white versus everybody else, because, because the, the white folks have, are in power. Um, the, the black, brown folks are not. And so how do, we, how do we flip those things? Men are in power. Women are not. How do we, how do we, how do we bring these things into, into balance, into justice? How do we bring justice back? Because remember, from the introduction, that's what is going on here, right? Uh, the gospel, the good story, the, the, the song, the victory song of, of Jesus the Christ is, is one that has brought justice, that brings righteousness. And, and remember, you could, in, in Romans chapter 1, verse, verse 17, uh, you, could, you could just as easily translate that Greek word as just or justice, um, as, as well as righteousness. Uh, it, it can go either way there. And so the idea, the idea is that God is setting things right. He is, he is making, making things right. He is bringing about uh, justice into, into the world. And, uh, and he is justifying. He's justifying people. He is reconciling the world to himself. He is, he is making, setting, setting all things right. And that's, that's an important, it's an important piece that, that we cannot, we cannot let go. We have to bring that idea all the way through. And so what Paul is saying, Paul's writing to these, these Jewish and Gentile Christians in the church at Rome and he gets into 14, chapter 14 and he's like, Hey, we get, we got to set this, we got to set this right. Y'all it's got to get Things have to get just. We have to make things just. And in our conversation Sunday night, uh, that question really, for us, um, we really got into and wrestled through uh, men and women, male, female. How do we? How do we make things just? How do we bring justice through the gospel in regards to this issue? Uh, it's, it's it's significant. It's important. Uh, and we and we cannot let it go because that's that's what's happening here. That this is this is this is what Paul is really pressing into are these power issues, and um, and so uh, the question becomes and the question got asked is how do you do peace? What what does peace look like? Right? How how do we live at peace? How do we seek that out? How do we press into that? Um, because this whole just kind of, hey, be a nice thing, that's not working. And the beautiful thing, I think, is that Paul is not talking about that. He is not talking about any sense of, of just smooth things over. Just be nice. Just be sweet. Just be kind. Let's just, let's just try to ignore the issues. That's not what's going on here. When Paul says, uh, you know, you, you need to bring peace what he's talking about is this biblical piece. He's talking about this Jewish idea of shalom, wholeness, uh, bringing all the pieces back together, right? From Genesis chapter you know, 1 and 2, we see that humanity is a both and. Humanity is a male and female. It, it's not an either or. One is not to be in positions of power over the other. We are to be... We are to be together in this. We are mutual, mutual uh, parts of, of, of the divine image. 
to, to be full, to, for us to fully image God, we need men and women. We both are created in the image of God. The image of God is reflected in male and female, the both and. And so how do we, how do we get back to this place of mutual edification? Because it's not through just a, a simple like uh, smoothing things out kind of deal, pretending like everything's okay. Now, this idea of peace and where it comes from is rooted back in Romans chapter 5. And one of the things that I've noticed, uh, just by way of, of a quick little bit of background, is that there seems to be uh, connections, uh, right, back to um, Paul, Paul, is, Paul has connected these ideas, these thoughts. So Romans 14 really connects uh, to Romans 5. Romans thir- the beginning of uh, the second half of Romans 13, 8 through 16, ties to Romans 6. Uh, Romans 13, 1 through 7, I see uh, a lot of reflection back to Romans 9. Uh, Romans 12, 9 through 21, uh, there, are, there are echoes of Romans 7. Romans 12, 3 through 8, there is uh, echoes of, of Romans 8, 1 through 17. Romans 12, 1 and 2, echoes of Romans 8, 18 through 30. Like, you can, you can connect back, and that's how we're going to structure this, this podcast. And so, um, Romans 5 ties to Romans 14, this idea of peace. Where does it come from? So, so Romans 5, he says, uh, therefore. Now, anytime you see a therefore in the scriptures, you have, to, you have to ask the question, what's the therefore, therefore, right? And so we go back just a little bit. And, uh, and what we see at the end, of, at the end of, of Romans 4 is a discussion of the crucifixion. Uh, you know, it says, and he was, he, Jesus was delivered over, over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. So, so we here are talking about the crucified Christ. You cannot have, you cannot have resurrection without crucifixion. It, it, you have to have them both. And, and so without the crucifixion, there is no resurrection. Without the resurrection, there is no justification. Things are not set right. Things are not made right without, without the crucifixion. And so, so so here we have in Romans 5, Therefore, uh, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Think about that for a minute. I want you to think about what he's saying there. There is peace. There is wholeness. There is shalom. A wholeness of being that has been brought about through our Lord Jesus Christ. How did he do it? Well, again, you go back just a little bit into Romans chapter 4. He did it through his death and resurrection, right? He did it through the cross. You see, peace, peace in the Christian way of understanding peace is not simple. It is not clean. It is not an ignoring of fault or brokenness or pain. Peace is wrought by crucifixion. Peace is wrought by, ultimately, by self-sacrifice. This, this is how peace is wrought in, in, the Christian, in the Christian way of understanding it. You see, peace comes through conflict. Peace comes through, comes through the ultimate 
giving of ourselves. Do you want, if we want to have peace, if we want to have peace amongst gender, if we want to have peace among races, if we want to have peace within humanity, it comes through self-sacrifice. And the way we experience this is in faith. Now, too many people, too many people think faith is some sort of easy believism. It's some sort of intellectual sense. Oh, I, be- I believe, I believe, I, I, you know, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I believe in God. Man, that is not what we're talking about here. Faith is an active belief. Faith, faith is something that you do. It, it's, a, it's a moving out. It's lived. It's embodied. It's carried out through the members of your body. If you are, if you say you have faith and yet your life doesn't, doesn't reflect any of it, then, then you don't have faith. You might believe, but you don't, you're not living in faith because faith is active. Faith is, faith is something that, that moves beyond belief and, and it is reflective of the crucified Christ. It's reflective of that. So that the, the one the one who has faith is the one who will reflect a crucified Christ, which is one who will choose self-sacrifice. Now, I say that and man, I gotta tell you, um, I I struggle with that. I'm not I I, I am I am not one who's who's quick to to self-sacrifice um at least as i reflect back on on things and we're all in process right um and and so we need to we need to check ourselves we need to we need to take good long looks in the mirror and this week has been a this week has been a good long look in the mirror uh so far for me and and as i and as i look i see you know i need to I have I have some work to do. Uh, I have some work to do as far as sacrificing uh, myself and and giving giving of myself. So, if we are going to have peace, if we're going to have peace with God, that comes through Christ sacrificing Himself. So, how do we how do we move towards peace uh, in these in these power issues, in these in these issues between genders, in these issues between race? Well. We have we, we follow we follow the model that we see in our Lord, right? We we follow the model that we see in Christ, which is the one with power sacrificing self for the sake of the other, and and so what this means is that when it comes to to racial, you know, issues, it means that 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 those who are in power, white folks, people like me especially, we we need to be the one that take those steps. We need to be the ones that that make the move we don't we don't need to be looking to to the powerless to move towards the powerful no the powerful need to need to self-sacrifice need to follow the way of jesus and and move and take those steps uh in setting setting aside our setting aside our power for the sake of of the powerless and uh and that, that, that works its way out in, in racial issues, that works its way out in gender issues. And, and these are these are this is this is what we're called to do. If we're gonna follow the way of Jesus, if we're gonna seek peace the way that Jesus sought peace, uh, which was reconciling the world to himself through the cross. Now, 
uh, it doesn't, the, the great thing is, is, is Paul, as Paul continues on through here, right, um, he, he talks about uh, how we are able to, to really, to gain hope, uh, because you see hope, hope is one of these things that we have to have if we are going to press into uh, the, this issue of, of, of peace. We have to have hope. Um, and, and, and he lays out this process. You know, he says, uh, we glory in our sufferings in verse three, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character and character, hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy spirit who has been given to us. Now I want you to think about this for a minute. Think about what Paul's saying here. He is saying that ultimately suffering brings hope, which does not bring shame. We, we, we've, many, many of us that have grown up going to church, we've heard this verse before. We're like, oh, that's nice. Yeah, uh, shine, Jesus, shine. Yeah. Uh, that, we, miss, we miss the subversion of this, of this verse because we, don't, we aren't fully grasping its historical roots. Right? Uh, if you go, remember, Remember, Rome was an honor-shame society. They would do anything for honor. They would do anything to avoid shame. In an honor-shame society, the worst thing you could experience was shame. And in the way oftentimes you would experience shame was by suffering, was by experiencing bad things in your life. You must have done something to 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 not to not live an honored life. So so here you are. You're suffering. It's it's ugly. It's bad. You you've lost your money. You've lost your spouse. You're hungry. You don't have housing. You don't have the right clothes. You you're not able to move in the right circles. Um, so you're suffering, and and this suffering brings shame. And what. Paul says is in the gospel, suffering brings hope, which does not bring shame. Hope never brings us to shame. Why? Because of what Christ has done on the cross. And again, you think about this. What was more shame? What was the most shameful thing you could experience? Dying on a cross. But what has dying on the cross done? What is that? That aspect of shame done? Is that he's flipped the whole thing? He says no. No, dying on the cross was not the shame of God. Dying on the cross was the honor of God. It is glory. It is glory. It is what is what we rejoice in. It is what we rejoice in because through the death on the cross, we now have peace. We now have, there is now justice in the world. And and he says, you know, he says, here's here's the other thing. Is that this death that Christ died? Um, who, who was it for? Was it for the powerful? Was it for the for the the high and the mighty? He says no. Verse six: At just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. He's the the powerful dying for the powerless. This this is how peace is won, right? This is, this is how it happens. This is how it comes about. 
You want peace? You want justice? Then, then find the pow- one in power who is willing to die for the powerless. Now, now I love, but, but what I love about this is, is it's not just the powerless. You know, it, you might say, well, Christ died for, for righteous people, people who would be righteous. No, that's not it. He says, very rarely would anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare die. He didn't even die for good people. He says, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In another part of, in Romans, we find out that, that what he means there, to, to say that we are sinners, means that we are en, at enmity with God. That we, are, that we are quite literally enemies of God. And what has Jesus done? He died for us. He died. Jesus went to the cross on behalf of his enemies. That is a whole different level of, of love of enemy, being willing to die a shameful death. But in that shame, there, in that death, there is no shame. There is only honor. There is only glory. This, <laughs> to, the, the, crux, the crux to truly love well is rooted in this idea. It is rooted in love of enemy, love of the other, but not just any kind of love, a self-sacrificial love, right? Verse 10, for if while we were God's enemies, see, there it is, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through this life? Guys, don't miss this. Don't miss this. Peace, peace comes through a hard-fought self-sacrifice. That's how reconciliation happens. That's how things are justified. That's that is how justice is brought into this world. It is not justice is not achieved through social media posts. Justice is not achieved. Um, through really it's, it's not achieved through demonstrations and all these other things that we try to do justice is ultimately achieved through the self-sacrifice of the powerful on behalf of the powerless if you are in a position of power and if you want to if you want to be about bringing peace to this world which is what we're supposed to be doing it's how we're supposed to be living we are supposed to be peacemakers. To be peacemakers means that we have to be meek. What is meekness? Meekness is controlled power. How do we control our power? How do we check that power and bring it to a place that it can be used on behalf of the powerless? There is no zero-sum game anymore. That's not, that is not how this works. Peace, peace is wrought by the cross. This is how it happens. It, it comes, it comes through self-sacrifice. The crux, the heart of love, of loving well, is through sacrifice of self. So, uh, how are how are you doing? You know, where where are you at with all of this? 
I know, I know for me, I know for me that, um, you know, last, last, the last, last number of days have not been great days. Uh, I, I've not, I've not really been a, a peacemaker and, uh, and it's, and it's to my shame, right? Uh, shame, shame. I, I I'm learning comes through the exercise of my power, not through the control of my power. And, uh, and I got to figure out, I got to figure it out. I've got to figure it out. Uh, this is, this is where repentance takes place, right? This is repentance is change. It's turning 180 degrees. It can be good changes. It can be bad changes. It can be turning away from bad things to good things. It can be turning away from good things to better things. Repentance is not a negative concept. It is a positive concept. And, and so I, I've got to do, I've got, to, I, I've got some, I've got some repentance work, repentance work that, that I'm working through that I'm, that I'm trying to get done because, uh, the last, the last number of days, man, I've just, ex- I've, I've exercised unbridled power and, uh, and it's not okay. It's just not okay. Uh, and, and, and as a result, uh, I have, I've experienced my shame and, and I don't want to do that anymore. Uh, it seems like it's a lesson that I keep learning over and over and over again. Um, but you know, I want to, I want to live more. I want to live more like Jesus lived. I want to be one who's willing to set aside his power. One who's willing to experience self-sacrifice. And uh, one one who is choosing peace, not not a flimsy, thin kind of peace, but a peace that is rooted in the cross, a peace that is rooted in in sacrifice, self sacrifice, uh, for for the glory of God, so that we might honor those uh, who are who are most weak and most powerless in our society. I hope you will too. Uh, So, hey guys, until next week, love well.